Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders. I really want to thank you for tuning in again, and I welcome you to go to outcomesrocket.health slash reviews, where you could give us a rating and review on what you thought about today's episode, because she is an outstanding contributor to healthcare. Her name is Leah Sparks. She is the CEO and founder at Wildflower Health. She's done quite some marvelous work in the healthcare space across different businesses that has fast forwarded into her own footprint in the healthcare with Wildflower Health. They're really focused on making sure that their experienced team of designers as well as executives give the patient the best at the forefront of their healthcare experience. And so specifically, they're focused on helping women help make healthcare better decisions throughout their experience. So what I want to do is welcome her to the podcast and have her fill in any of the gaps that I may have missed in that intro. Leah, welcome. Yeah, no, great to be here. Thank you, Saul. Yeah, no, that was a great intro. As you mentioned, we deliver mobile health software to large healthcare companies, including health plans and employers and hospitals and even outpatient clinics and really focus on women as the chief health officer of the home to help them better navigate the healthcare system across a lifetime of care. And Lee, I think you really hit the nail on the head. You know, I don't know why it happens this way. Maybe you can provide some insight, but even at home, you know, us, I mean, my wife definitely seems to take the reins on, on, the, on the healthcare of our family. Why, why is that? I mean, have you guys uncovered any of what's going on with that? I wouldn't say we've, we've uncovered the underlying reasons that's the case. I mean, I do think there's something to be said for the fact that for many families, Healthcare and um, care for health of the family often starts with the birth of a first child, and obviously, you know, women experience pregnancy. <laughs> so I do think that there's some extension of that that comes from that event. But I, I will say, and you know, there's some, there's other sort of historic reasons probably why women are often in the position of making a lot of healthcare decisions. I think one of the really gratifying things about our technology, and one of the things that we really aspire to do, is while there might be one person who's leading the charge of the family and healthcare decisions. It is ultimately people more successful in healthcare if they have a support group and people who are supporting them. So we allow family members to share information on applications. So if you're pregnant, you can share with your husband, your partner, your mom, whomever is really supporting you. Same thing if you're taking care of your kids or an aging parent, you could share it with a sibling. So being able to share and coordinate across family members is part of what makes that sort of healthcare decision maker successful, whether it's female or male. So um, that's definitely part of our philosophy. That's a really good point. And I'm glad you sort of uh, took that a different way because it is not always the female, right? It definitely depends. And it's good to know that you guys can help no matter who is running the, the healthcare decisions. And so what got you into healthcare to begin with, Leah? I kind of fell into it after business school. Uh-huh. After graduating and getting my MBA, I just knew I wanted to work in an industry that was meaningful to people's lives. And healthcare was one of those. And I got a, an opportunity to work at McKesson Corporation after business school in San Francisco and really work in their corporate development group. And I realized that would hit a couple of checks in the boxes. It would definitely be an industry that was meaningful. And if I was going to do healthcare, McKesson certainly at the time um, had some technology work, some services work, and really touched every stakeholder in healthcare, pharma, hospitals, 
health plans. And it was a really great way to sort of cut my teeth and learn the industry um, inside and out. That's awesome. And so you obviously have enjoyed it because you've stuck with it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think once you do realize the impact that healthcare makes on people's lives, and and I think importantly for me, kind of how I made the shift from business person who enjoyed doing deals and doing business development in healthcare to founder and CEO was really that trigger point for me personally when I did go from being a business person in healthcare to a patient. And that came with the, when my husband and I went down the path of starting a family and we really saw firsthand what it's like to deal with the healthcare system directly and the, the pain points that you encounter. And that's really what inspired me to set out and build a company like Wildflower Health. That's so awesome. So congratulations to you for taking that on. A lot of folks will sit passively or complain, but you decided to tackle it head first. So I, I want to congratulate you for that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> So obviously you, you talked about pain points. What would you say some of the hot topics could be pain points, could be opportunities that healthcare leaders need to be focused on today? And how is Wildflower Health tackling those? Yeah, it's a, there's a couple of things that come to mind. One, I think there have been a lot and very necessary investments in sort of the the underlying infrastructure needed for health IT. So the ability to make medical records more prevalent and accessible, some work on online scheduling of appointments, more access to your claims, deductibles that exist for the health plans. I think all of those are great, sort of a great platform, but I think we can't mistake those really robust transactional capabilities for consumer engagement. You know, get, making one appointment or seeing one medical record is not engaging me as a human and it's not connecting with me emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I think for us to really win that last mile into patient loyalty, really influencing people's behaviors and helping them take action, we have to connect them as a consumer. And at Wildflower Health, our aspiration is really to bring together the best of both worlds, have very consumer-friendly mobile applications that help me either when I'm pregnant or taking care of my kids or my parents track my family, but when I have an action I need to take, can connect seamlessly and easily into that health IT infrastructure. Again, whether it's an EMR or an online scheduling, we do a lot of interfaces with our clients. That's really our goal is to sort of be that consumer layer on top of those key assets. And, and the other thing that we're thinking about a lot that I would encourage certainly healthcare leaders to think about is part of what has happened as we put in place this health IT infrastructure is unfortunately we reinforce some of the natural silos in healthcare. So Today, I may have to go to one website for my hospital and here for my health plan, another for my employer. And even at Wildflower Health, as we built out our proliferation of mobile apps, we realized we might be standing up different mobile apps for all these different entities, which could be really frustrating for a consumer. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we've been doing increasingly with our network of clients is, again, bringing together those clients into one view. So as a consumer, I could say, I work here, this is my health plan, I'm delivering my baby at this hospital and access all those resources from one app, which is pretty powerful. That is powerful. And as we think of the typical way that things happen, you you typically have the EMR or the hospital or the payer kind of pushing data out. How about the other way around, the patient-entered data and the potential that this could have for improved outcomes any ideas around that and how Wildflower potentially may be building towards something like that? Yeah. I mean, the truth is there's tons of data in the medical records and the, the claims data, but there's a lot of data you don't get. How anxious am I feeling today? Am I worried about money or do I hate my boss? All of these things that actually do influence our health. Did I get enough sleep last night, right? Yes. And so what we have seen from the very beginning, even when we had less robust data collection capabilities than we have today, 
is that for whatever reason, if you talk to someone as a consumer, we have always, from the very beginning of this company's history five years ago, picked up a lot of social determinant cues for health, particularly behavioral health issues like anxiety or feeling sad or stressed out have always been things we've picked up, which again, you're not going to get in a medical record otherwise. So we have figured out how to send some of those data points back to the healthcare system to help them take action. But it's certainly something we're always aspiring to do better. Yeah, I think there's some big opportunities there for sure. And, and it's exciting to hear that you guys are already thinking about it and, and trying to figure out ways to optimize that data. Yeah, absolutely. So Leah, what would you say an example of how you and your team at Wildflower have improved outcomes? We, we, with our initial focus in pregnancy, the first area where we set out to improve a real impact in outcomes was in pregnancy and particularly in underserved populations and Medicaid populations. And um, believe it or not, one of our very first clients was the state of Wyoming Medicaid. Oh, They're wow. actually, we have a very innovative medical director client in that state who knew from the beginning that Medicaid moms do use smartphones. And this was four years ago when we started working with them. And now that they use smartphones, they rely on them more than other types of technologies. They may not have a laptop. They may not right. have Wi-Fi. They probably have a smartphone. That's the main way they access the internet. And we've been able to show by engaging Medicaid mothers and helping them better connect to the resources in their community, whether that's a nurse available for Medicaid, certain types of social programs available in their community. By driving those actions, it does improve rates of low birth weight babies and NICU admissions. And in fact, we published a peer-reviewed journal article in the eHealth and Telemedicine Journal last year in conjunction with our client in Wyoming that did a peer-reviewed study showing that women who used our program had about 75% lower rates of low birth weight babies and improved HEDIS measurements and all of those things that really lead into that, those improved outcomes. But it wasn't just the technology alone. It was really harnessing that technology to have day-to-day contact with those users. Our users typically come to our app 10 times a month. And so we're there and they're companions. So when an issue comes up, we can connect them again to that local resource that can make a difference in the outcome of their, their pregnancy. So I think that's one very discreet example of how we've been able to really make a dent. In what a wonderful, such a wonderful story. And is the platform also used to educate? Oh, absolutely. We yeah. have about a hundred patient education articles in our pregnancy app, probably, so cool. you know, 500 in our family health application, which goes from Man, that's to that's so awesome. Yeah. And, and again, I think the key though, is not to just have it be passive, but to really have any type of quote education be actionable. So if I am reading an article about smoking during pregnancy, can I click to connect to my local community's quit smoking program for pregnant women? Or if I'm reading about a certain condition or developmental issue that may be happening with a child, can I send that question to my pediatrician? So having those really discrete actions and connections to my provider or community is really important. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And this example that you provided, Leah, is, is just so on point with both improving outcomes and then also reducing costs because, boy, the NICU is not cheap. No, no. We have another client that um, has done a claims analysis showing that the, the our users on average are about $37,000 less costly per user because wow. of these reductions and bad outcomes. So yeah, it's a very, very expensive event when you have a, a, a NICU admission or some other complication in pregnancy. Yeah, wow, that's so so insightful. And you got to talk about it. Also, I mean, the effect that it has on these parents, you know, I mean, the, the physical, the emotional, the stress, all the things that go into having your child in the NICU. I mean, this is, this is pretty huge because it also affects their health and the domino effect, right? 
Exactly, exactly. And that was one of the reasons that was we thought about extending our application into pediatrics. We wanted to have the ability not only for, let's say, I have a newborn and I could add the newborn to my app and maybe even the newborn to the NICU and I could say that, but I can also add myself and say, I am 25 years old and I can get content articles about my own health. You know, are you feeling stressed out? Here's what you need to be doing for your own well woman visit. So there's actually data that shows that women are historically the chief health officer of the home, but their health often comes last. They may not be doing the things they need to do for their own health because they're so busy taking care of everyone else. And so we don't want to forget that as we're thinking about sort of this lifetime of care support. Yeah. Wow. And so listeners, just the one example that Leah provided here just has so many second order consequences that oftentimes go unexamined. And and when you take a deeper dive into that first thing that you're affecting, it's oftentimes much more than that, like Leah and her team have done with this particular example. So uh, really love the example, Leah. Thank you so much for sharing that. So give us an example, Leah, of a setback or a mistake that has happened and the pearls that you got out of it to make outcomes better. Yeah, I think one of the things that we learned early on is how challenging it can be to get people to adopt digital health technologies. And, you know, I don't think this is something, I think this is something that talked about some, but not enough. And just for, you know, kind of give a specific story, we were really fortunate in our first couple clients, we had really good enrollment. Our first Medicaid client, we did a lot in the community to drive enrollment and got great adoption by pregnant women. Our second client was a commercial health plan and some of their employers who through the employers sharing information about the program, got great adoption of commercial employers. And then our third client was another health plan. And we did a lot to market and educate their members about the application, but it was just crickets. I mean, we had dismal enrollment rates and it was just this huge aha moment. And then we had to take a step back and think, okay, what was different about this versus the other two before this that were so successful? And the real aha moment we had was, People will adopt digital health if it's presented in a moment of trust or a moment of need. So I'll give you an example. Um, If I just took a pregnancy test and I am, I want to go right away and find out which hospitals are covered by my health plan and how much I'm going to, you know, how much is it going to cost me to have this baby? If I'm going and searching for my health plan in that moment and they say to me, hey, there's this application. If you're looking for maternity benefits, you may want to look at that. That's a moment where I'm seeking information. I'm coming to my health plan because I want to engage with you, that's a moment of trust. If my employer tells me about the application, that's a moment of trust, or my OB at my first appointment. And on this contrast to that, I have a process as a health plan where women who I see in a claims analysis are pregnant, and I trigger some kind of letter that's very paternalistic to get them to download an application, it's not going to work. And so the way you approach the user, where you think about what is their organic behavior in this whatever moment is that you're trying to enroll them is so important. And getting that right is just so critical to driving adoption of digital health. And I think there's a lot of art to it. It's not just a science. That's a really great distinction, Leah. And thanks for sharing that. And and so the clients that have come after that, have you applied these learnings and gotten different results? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's definitely something that we're always experimenting with. In fact, we now have a member of our team who is, her title is user growth marketing, and she is solely focused on working across our clients to get the user adoption as optimized as possible. And one of the things that we really found is we now work both with health plans and providers and employers. And so we start to look at geographies and not just thinking about the traditional health plan outlets for communication, but also thinking about a community and who are, where are the mother's groups? Are there parents' groups? What are the other places people are going? You know, in Medicaid population, we're WIC centers and Head Start programs. So really thinking about it as a, everything is local in healthcare 
to get the word out about our application, our resources, and the partners who are behind it who are providing really those actionable things you can do in healthcare um, through their sponsorship of the program. That is so fascinating. You just kind of entering their stream of consciousness rather than smacking them with the get this done. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Such a great distinction. So obviously a huge pearl that you learned from and a lot of entrepreneurs and and even large companies coming out with new solutions, they could get that initial success. And then again, and then all of a sudden they're met with resistance or not the same results or the opposite could happen. They go into it and they don't see anything. So the importance of continuing to, to tweak your offering and understand why, why it is you're getting the results or not getting the results that you're looking for. And Leo, what you and your team have done is just shown this resilience that is so necessary to be successful in healthcare as a company. So congratulations to you and your team for being able to have that resilience. Yeah, I think it's definitely something you should sign up for if you're going to if you're going to start a company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big time. Sign up for it and stick with it. <laughs> yeah, and, and if it's not working, try something else, obviously. Yeah, we've never really pivoted. We've always sort of had a vision and been just marching against it, but we have done a lot of iterations for different mm-hmm. elements of our model until we figured out what was successful. And it's constant learning too, because also your target users are always changing. I mean, the, the mobile application and mobile technology trends five years ago when we started and that version, that generation of moms, even just five years ago is different than today. And so you have to really be always willing to iterate because the world is changing fast when it comes to technology. No, I totally agree with you on that one. So you've had a lot of success, you know, 70 plus population health management companies to know, getting St. Vincent's to sign on to your mobile app. You're doing a lot of really great things. What Out of all the amazing things that you and your team are doing, Leo, what would you say one of the most amazing things that you feel you guys have accomplished to date? Well, for me, when I think about amazing, it just all comes back down to the user. And again, particularly in our populations that really need help. One of the things I was really proud of with one of our early Medicaid clients is the first year we tripled the rate of the high-risk pregnant women that were able to connect with services. And that's the kind of thing that makes you just, and again, it's just the technology making that connections. And that's the type of thing, when you think about all the healthcare access issues we have in this country and how hard it is, particularly if you are stressed out, you're on Medicaid, and it's just like, certainly maybe the first time you're dealing with the healthcare system, if we can help you with that access and getting to the right program and the right services, that's just more meaningful than the revenue associated with it because we're really making an impact on people's lives. Yeah, no, for sure. That's definitely really awesome. And it's stressful enough, you know, and when you don't have the, the finances or the resources, God, forget about it, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been one of the best surprises of this company that we've been able to build so much business in the Medicaid market. It wasn't necessarily in my business plan when we started five years ago. <laughs> I just didn't expect it. I'd never worked in that market. But there was a very, a very smart advisor who told me early on when we first started the company that it was going to be a huge opportunity. And she was absolutely right, that it was a huge need in Medicaid, that the users are very savvy in Medicaid, and that you could make a huge impact. So it's, it's been really fun. Yeah, Leah. And, you know, you shared something else, too, just kind of embedded in your message there. But, you know, listeners, you got to surround yourself with advisors that you can trust that also are very knowledgeable in the things that you're doing. Healthcare is so big. We recently had a guest, Gavin Teo. He's a venture capitalist in, in healthcare. And he, he said it really well. He said, healthcare is not a vertical. It's an economy. It's so big. 
And so there's no way you can know every part of healthcare. You, you just can't. And so Leah did something really smart. She surrounded herself with people that were specialists in areas that she wasn't. And she got some great advice that helped her not only grow her company, but add value in a big way. And so what are you missing and how are you filling those gaps with people? Yeah, what would you say a project that you're super excited about right now that you guys are working on? Well, right now we are making the extension from pregnancy into additional phases of family health. And so we've just relaunched the Wildflower Family Health application that enables you to both track your pregnancy as well as and get all your pregnancy content if you're pregnant, but also put in your two-year-old and maybe your aging parent all in one application. Wow. And get really a holistic view of your family's health. And then after you have that baby, add your newborn to the application. And again, all along the way, if you, um, you know, say live in one of the communities we serve, let's say Silicon Valley, you could be accessing your doctor's office and hospital resources alongside your employer and your health plan and really getting that holistic view of all the healthcare entities you deal with and also across your family members. And as we look to extend this year, how do we help that user with other things that will come up, whether it's actual caregiving and adding that more robust way to our, to our application or other episodic events so that we can really be that trusted resource for that consumer as she's navigating what comes next after she has, has her babies. Wow, that is just so powerful. You know, I, we had my, my wife's friend come over to the house uh, for the weekend this weekend. And, uh, you know, she was just telling us about how hard it was taking care of her mom who just she was going through dialysis and, and just the strains that she's going through now because one of the veins was occluded. They're going to have to potentially go through the groin, which is not a good thing. And the stress that she was going through, Leah, it was just like, I mean, it's just, it's sad. Yeah. And, you know, it's the support that you guys are able to provide for a family, especially one that was more in need. It's just amazing. Yeah. And it's an early, it's early for us. And I definitely think there's a lot of white space for the caregiving space. And hopefully there'll be a lot of great startups or even established healthcare companies doing more for caregivers because you're exactly right. I mean, people who are in that situation, it's a social determinant for health problem to be a caregiver, right? Your, your yes. own health is going to begin to suffer and it can be very isolating. So I think that there's a lot of opportunity to, for work in that particular space. And certainly we hope to be a connector to those resources and, and be a, a support network to the extent we can. But I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Leah, the community of listeners and everybody at the Outcomes Rocket wishes you success in this new endeavor, and it's a really worthwhile one. So we wish you the best, and we're behind you. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Leah, let's pretend you and I are building a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in medicine today. It's the 101 or the ABCs of Leah Sparks. So I got four questions for you, lightning round style, and then we're going to finish up with a book and a podcast that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Yeah, as ready as I'm going to be. <laughs> All right. I love it. What is the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? The best way to improve outcomes is to follow your passion. Do something that you're passionate about because otherwise you're not going to have the ability to be, have the creativity and the sustainment of energy to really be able to impact it. Love it. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Do never fall in the trap of thinking because you're a healthcare expert that you know what you're doing. Always question your assumptions and be really humble about that. It's really easy to have hubris in this market and think you know everything and you probably don't. 
How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? I keep hiring really smart people <laughs> <laughs> and, and often people who bring a different skill set or different point of view. I don't, even though I believe healthcare expertise is important, and I don't think you should hire all people who come from healthcare because I think there's a lot to be learned from the hospitality industry, from consumer tech, and some of those industries are really far ahead of us in how I think about consumers. What is one area of focus that should drive everything in your organization? Focus on empathy for our users and compassion for our users. And if we do right by them and make them healthier, we will be successful and serve our clients better. Leah, what book and what podcast would you recommend to the listeners? Well, obviously the podcast I recommend is Outcomes Rocket. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I don't actually listen to a ton of podcasts. I have listened to the startup podcast that Gimlet Media puts out because they're from a range of industry. And as a startup founder, I find them somewhat therapeutic just to listen to other people nice. going through the startup process. From a book perspective, so when I was first starting Wildflower, I read Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly. And it is kind of a bit of a self-help book. But one of the things that was really, particularly for any of the readers out there who are thinking about becoming founders or in leadership positions at certainly early stage or growth stage companies, you know, when you go out there and you talk to customers or investors, whomever, you really put yourself out there. And it is a major feeling of vulnerability. And Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly, is based off this famous Theodore Roosevelt quote that I won't butcher, but it's, it's, the idea is basically it is okay to put yourself out there and you're better off doing it yourself, putting yourself out there, daring greatly than sitting on the sidelines. And so it's all about getting comfortable with vulnerability. It's a great book. What a beautiful recommendation and uh, one that I'll add to the list. And listeners, if you're driving or on a jog right now, don't worry about writing it down. Just come back and go to outcomesrocket.health slash sparks. That's Leah's last name. It's S-P-A-R-K-S and get some spark of, of uh, ideas for what you're doing and dare greatly to improve outcomes because that's what we're here for. So Leah, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, before we conclude, I would love if you could just share a closing thought with the listeners and then the best place where they could get in touch with you. You know, I guess my closing thought would be not to get too personal, but um, you know, I have, I've had two kids along the way that I've built this company and I just want to encourage people who are put off by either starting a company or doing something or riskier out there in your career, to think that you have to choose your personal life over your professional life. I really feel like I kind of have it all. And I, I don't feel like I don't see my kids. I don't feel like I'm a bad wife or mother. And I love my work. And I am consumed by it, certainly up to a point. But it is possible to have that balance in your life. And I think it's something that is, particularly in healthcare, really important as part of being an overall healthy person. And if you want to get in touch with me, probably email is the best. My email is leah.sparks at wildflowerhealth.com. Love it. Powerful message, Leah. And listeners, all of these things that include Leah's email, a link to her company, a link to the books that she recommended and the podcast, we're going to have all those at the link that I told you about, outcomesrocket.health sparks. So go there if you want to get in touch with her. She's obviously given you her email address. So if you find a way to collaborate, please connect. That's why we do what we do here. So Leah, I just want to take a moment again to say thank you on behalf of the entire listener community and uh, really looking forward to staying abreast of uh, the updates that you and your company uh, do with your achievements. You bet. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.